Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Shared Ireland podcast series. So today we are bringing you our follow-up podcast from the one we done with the Pro Unity Group. It gives Shared Ireland great pleasure to welcome along our Pro Union Group. And we have with us today the Reverend David Latimer, an old friend of Shared Ireland's, Julianne Carr, Sarah Creighton, Professor Pete Sherlow, and last but certainly not least, Ian Atchison. Hello all, how are you all keeping? Very well, thank you. Hi, Mark. Thanks for having us. No problem, pleasure is all ours. So I suppose I'll set, set the scene, set the tone for today's discussion. Although we in Shared Ireland would be advocating a yes vote in any future referendum, we believe it's imperative that detailed planning, preparation and conversations happen first. Also, in any new Shared Ireland, respect and equality must be guaranteed to all, including every tradition. And it's with this in mind, we have extended an invitation to you all today, uh, I suppose basically to afford you the opportunity to put forward your case or that case for maintaining the union. So um, can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself before we get into it, Sarah Creighton? Um, yeah, I suppose just, um, I'm from East Belfast, um, I'm solicitor by profession, but at the moment I'm working for a housing charity, um, I do political commentary sort of on the side, it's like my side hustle, I guess. Mm-hmm. Very good. Um, and I just very often just write about politics, social issues, that type of thing, and, um, yeah, that's kind of me. No problem, thanks for that. Julianne Corr, can you tell our listeners that maybe aren't familiar with you, um, a little bit about yourself and background? Certainly. Um, I am a former Belfast City Councillor. Um, I'm wife to Carrie and mother to three-year-old twins, Alexander and Martha. Um, like Sarah, I have a little bit of a side hustle too, but my primary employment is um, through the creative arts and digital technologies industry uh, for Newton Abbey Arts and Cultural Network. Um, I'm a youth employment worker and um, I suppose I'm actually a bit more than Sarah. I'm a Dell boy. I do massage. <laughs> I own my own massage parlor. What? Um, <laughs> I dabble in a little bit of political commentary when I can be bothered. Yes. Um, when I have time, I don't have something to say. But otherwise, my time is spent at home as mummy and as wife. Very good. Same question to you, Reverend David Latimer. Yeah, well, I'm uh, a Presbyterian minister. Um, I've spent 32 years in Derry uh, with one church in the city centre and another across the border uh, in East Donegal. Um, Much of my time has been spent building bridges and crossing lines, and uh, that's not without it. So having had the the, the lovely experience of reaching out to my Catholic nationalist and Republican neighbours and making very uh, good uh, relations and, and, and a close friendship with Martin McGuinness and in fact that's captured in a book called A Leap of Faith and uh, I, I think that's that's what it has to be about sort of moving together and, and getting to know one another and trying to live a lot better than we've done in the past. Very good and same question to you Ian Atchison could you tell us a little bit about who you are and your background? Hello. Um, well, I seem to be the only culture in the group here. So I'm, I'm a culture. I'm a culture as well, Ian. Don't worry about it. Uh, 
citizen of Fermanagh, mm-hmm. where I was born. We need to keep our end up then. Uh, um, so all the bridges where I was uh, born nearby were blown up across the border, of course, so it's rather more difficult to uh, rebuild them, given the uh, uh, peculiarities and the uh, cruel savagery that was inflicted in my community. Uh, but anyway, I uh, went away and I now work for an organisation called the Counter Extremism Project, which is a, a, an NGO devoted to um, tackling uh, and uh, eliminating uh, violent extremism. And I'm also a visiting professor at Staffordshire University. So unlike Pete, who's a real professor, I'm a plastic professor. And I'm never short of a few words to say about literally anything on Twitter that annoys me, particularly around um, terrorism, violent extremism, prison reform, and uh, lately and far too much Northern Ireland. Very good, very good. And last but by no means least, Professor Pete, um, could you tell our listeners a little bit about you for anyone that hasn't got the pleasure of knowing you? Well, the young have this phrase, virtue signaling, so I'll try not to virtue signal, but I think it's, but sometimes it's impossible when you ask a question like that. So uh, I come from working class Protestant background, uh, was uh, past 11 plus, which set me apart from everybody else where I grew up, I automatically became a, uh, I won't use the phraseology, but that you can imagine what it was. Uh, went to a Quaker grammar school, had a really big impact upon me. Uh, I was in a very mixed environment, uh, by religion, uh, right across Hindus, Muslims, we were, we were Jews, there were, there were Catholics, Protestants, and, and many non-believers, so, so that had a really big impact upon me. I fled England uh, uh, in the late 80s, 90s, and came back in 93, 94, and I'd previously worked in a loyalist bar, and uh, somebody had come up to me and said, uh, there's this thing starting called the peace process, and would you like to get involved? And I was actually an economic geographer, which was painfully boring and, and drab, and by a quirk, like all of these things now, uh, it was that conversation that then led to me going into the prisons and doing talks around the peace process, reconciliation, and I've dabbled in it ever since, and uh, I think it's it's one of those things that everybody in this room has done is is they've tried to work across the sectarian divide. Mm-hmm. They've tried to work for stability. Uh, I think we're all proud of being pro-union. We we have a vision for pro-unionism, mm-hmm. which is not narrow or which is broad. And I, and I think that's what guides us in what we do. And uh, just to finish off, I'm a great believer in interdependence. That that if we build relationships then we can have proper conversations about, uh, about what the future could be. Yeah, um, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there for me, Professor Pete. Um, and I suppose, to be honest, that's why you are all uh, extended an invitation and the team did to you all because, you know, you, you are progressive um, thinking and um, very respectful and courteous to everyone that I have seen you um, interact with on social media. So... Yeah. So listen, folks, um, I, I know a few of you have got um, Channel 4 uh, TV interviews after this um, conversation. So unfortunately, we're not going to have a very long, detailed conversation here. And I also feel as if me being a pro United Irelander, it's maybe unfair for me to be setting questions for, for the likes of you. But I'm just going to you know ask a few basic questions, but please feel free to take this wherever you think you want it to go. So I'm going to ask you, Sarah, if you don't mind, just the first uh, question. Sell me the benefits of the union. Simple as that. Okay. Um, when you live in Northern Ireland, you get statutory sick pay. And when you go to the South, you don't. You get free health care in Northern Ireland. You don't get it in the South. Um, 
thinking about um, the area of work that I work in, which is to do with repossessions. Um, you know, up in Northern Ireland, we don't have bailiffs in the South, they do. Um, the police carried out evictions in the South, they do not. In Northern Ireland, that's carried out the Enforcement of Judgments Office, um, which I do think makes a significant difference in that area of work. Um, so for me, you know, the benefit of the union is the support that we get from Westminster, it is the support that we get from London. Um, I do think for me, it is also about my cultural attachment to Britain as well, though that's something obviously not everybody can speak to, but that is something that is very important to me. So for me, you know, the economic benefits of the union and that support that we get, you know, I, I don't particularly want to swap what we've got now for the Republic, which has a much smaller public sector. Um, it's it's very much an economy propped up on the property market and that it is very much a tax haven, I think, and I don't mean that in a disrespectful way, but I do think it is a very conservative economy, just as obviously our economy is very conservative as well, but we do have much larger um, state there than there is in the Republic. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that that is the union, that is what you get by being in the union, is you get those benefits. Sarah, just a quick uh, question on something that you said there. You said um, the support we get from London. Uh, could that not be phrased that we're reliant on London? No, um, within the United Kingdom, I mean, every region within the UK, you know, is, is dependent on London. It's not just Northern Ireland, it's not just unique to Northern Ireland that we are dependent on Westminster. You know, that, that is something that, that kind of aggravates me, you know, not every region within the Republic is is free from Dublin. I don't think you know Scotland is reliant on Westminster as well, so as parts of Wales. You know, London very much is the centre of the union, and there's nothing wrong um, with Northern Ireland taking support from Westminster. And given the conflict that we've had in Northern Ireland, given given the the situation that we're in, there's nothing wrong with us doing that. And I, for one, don't believe that the answer is to you know cut that off and let the free market decide our future. I I, I think we do need that support. And I think we do need more to, to need less in the future. Um, so I don't think we're, we're reliant. I think if we are reliant on Westminster, it's because we're part of the union. It's just we're, we're a region within that country, and that's that's perfectly normal. Okay. I'm very conscious I want to bring you all in first, and then we can maybe pick up on certain things that we all said. So, um, Julianne, I'm going to go to you next, if you don't mind. And my question for you is, can you understand why everyone in society in Northern Ireland will not be jumping at the prospect of another 100 years of the Union. Absolutely, I can. All right, we have this, whilst I love Northern Ireland and I love our history, it's steeped in bias, discrimination, um, particularly oppression towards Catholic and other minorities. Um, and that's nothing that I would be proud of or be celebrating today. And I don't think any unionist, any progressive unionist, would be celebrating that today at all. Um, just picking up what, what Sarah there about reliance, um, I do, I, I think we are reliant um, on the United Kingdom, so that's where Sarah and I would differ from that. I do think that we are reliant on London, but I say that because we're, we're governed here technically by two politically ideologically opposite parties, but primarily by Tories west of the new border um, and similar policies to the Tories south of the old border. You know, um, Tories to the left, Tories to the right. Um, I'm not one of these unionists now that will paint like some sort of retail brochure that will show the next 100 years as being a pauper's paradise. Um, you know, yes, we do have an NHS, we do have free healthcare at the point of access, but I'm also aware we have significantly large and unacceptable waiting lists. Mm-hmm. I'm aware that we've got free education, but 52% of those from my community, and I, I'm talking about working class communities, mm-hmm. I don't like to divide myself on religious or grounds or anything like that, but I'm quite happy and comfortable to do it on class grounds. Mm-hmm. So 52% of those young people 
from my community, which is the working class community, who are on free school meals, are leaving without basic employability qualifications. So I'm not buttoned up the back. Yes, we've got a welfare state, but we've got the worst pension rates in Europe. And actually, people are dying in the queue waiting for their universal credit. And that for me is absolutely deplorable. Julianne, it's unacceptable. Are you sure you don't want to join the pro unity group? No. Do you know why I wouldn't? Now, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Because we've got the infrastructure within the United Kingdom to do that. We've got the infrastructure that will take us in the fast lane to achieve what both you and I want. I want what's contained within the Ulster Covenant, that material well-being equal citizenship. And without placing any assumptions on, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but within the Irish proclamation, it talks of similar things. You and I have got a lot more in common than what divides us. I feel, however, the union is the fast lane. That's how we get there. Mm -hmm. But I do believe we need Northern Ireland to be independent, not independent in that sense, Mm -hmm. but (laughs) interdependent, as Pete said, of both Dublin and London. Mm -hmm. We need to be protected from the worst of the Tory austerity that's south and west of the borders. Mm-hmm. Very interesting, very interesting, and I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't expect to hear a lot of what you said, but I'm I'm, I'm fascinated by that. Okay. Ian, I'm going to jump to you. I'm if surprised you... I'm always slabbering on Twitter. <laughs> oh, and, and I can assure you, I read most of it. <laughs> um, Ian, if you don't mind, next question for you: What needs to change in order to make Northern Ireland work better for everyone? Because clearly, something has to change. It's a very good question, and uh, I, I think just just to give an example of how broad a tent unionism is, I don't think that I'm in the same uh, political dispensation as Julianne is, but we would certainly agree, I think on this, and all of us would agree on this, that we have a legacy of discrimination and uh, to, to put behind us, particularly in relation to the formation of the state and uh, the treatment of the uh, Catholic minority. Uh, that you know, needs to be properly acknowledged. And the way we should do that is to uh, approach the centenary uh, with some degree of humility, but also a, a huge degree of generosity. Because this is a place, I think, or I, I say this, I mean, this is the problem. I married somebody who, who was uh, born in Oxford, and I, I irritated her all the time by referring to going home, by talking about going back to Northern Ireland. But I have a real visceral cultural connection to the place as well and I, I've got a mongrel identity I'm actually very comfortable with and that evolved actually as a result largely of the Good Friday Agreement and me being able to for the first time um, embrace my, my the Irish part of my identity so I'm very clear now in my, in my uh, Twitter biography I call myself an Irish Unionist because that's how, how I am and how I feel and that's what I became uh, until I, I have to say now the resurgence of a kind of nativist bigotry uh, driven by Sinn Féin, but has made me feel less Irish because their version of Irishness is something I want to have absolutely nothing to do with because it is inextricably hitched to physical force, violence, uh, and, and its defence and its veneration, and that disgusts me across the board. So what, what do we need to do? The thing that uh, I'm going to try to uh, truncate all of this, the, the thing that I get... Uh, very frustrated about is the relentless internationalization of uh, the problems that we have in Northern Ireland, uh, the problems of the past, the present and the future. It's always going to be people, particularly I would say from from the nationalist community, would say we have to get Washington involved, we've got to get Dublin involved, we must have Brussels involved, we've got to have London involved. Actually the way that we have to do the hard yards, in my opinion, to sort out a reconciled people, regardless of whether there's a border or not, has to be done 
townland by townland and street by street, because that's where the horror and the bigotry was manufactured. And the only way we can dispense with that and of any kind of a, a decent future for, for our, our children is to be able to sit down and do that. So we, we, we have hidden the past. We've, it's like, a, I mean, I write a bit of poetry for my sins, but you know, I, I refer to a poem I, I've talked about, tragedy hid like a bricked up mine. We've put everything aside uh, in our attempt to sort of uh, change uh, the, you know, the, the, the facts on the ground, uh, but we have to go back there and reconcile ourselves first. So if you ask me what we need to do, we need to stop relying and infantilizing ourselves on other people to come in and do the dirty work of making peace neighbour to neighbour. Fascinating answer, Ian, genuinely, and I'm blown away by all the contributions so far because for me, listening and having a conversation with people like yourselves, and for me, trying to have that ability to view life through a different lens is so important and I think that's what everybody living here needs to try and do. Walk a mile in someone else's shoes and, and try and understand their feelings, their heritage. But anyway, listen, I'll push on. Professor Pete, go to you next if you don't mind. And today, you know, I was thinking, what question do I ask a professor in Liverpool University? And that's no disrespect to anyone else in this Zoom call, by the way. So I've decided I'm just going to let you waffle away. And, and I know I can say this to you and you'll take it in the right way. You're pretty good at waffling away anyway. But um, I, I, I'm going to give you a rough basis of a question, but you take it where you want. And I suppose my question is this, Professor Pete, give me your assessment of the political situation this past 10 years, but maybe more importantly, where you think it's going for the next 10 years. But as I say, you're free reign, go with that where you want. Well, as somebody who does a lot of data, let me make it very clear, there's a very strong correlation between being a professor and not being intelligent. Uh, so, so, <laughs> <laughs> the, title, the title actually means anything. It's, uh, they've been foolish enough to give it to you. I think what's really important is actually your reaction now which is when you hear each of these voices, you're going, that doesn't compute, or that's a bit different, or that's a wee bit not what you'd expect. Because the people in this, uh, so I don't know what this is called, webcast or whatever we call it, so I don't know, I don't know, I'm not up with technology with you, I'm not down with the kids. But the, uh, can I say something? The voices you are hearing in here are the majority pro-union voices. The most socially liberal people in Northern Irish society are people who are pro-union who do not vote. That's that's what's really important to understand. When you look when you look at political unionism, it doesn't represent the community that we come from. No, it may not represent them. Uh, you put it this way: fifty-one percent of people in Northern Ireland who are pro-union don't vote for the Ulster Unionists to the DUP. Yeah. There's people in this room who've been activists for LGBT rights, myself included, yeah. and people in this uh, room who've been advocates for pro-choice in this room. And, and we have a media and a politics which basically renders people like us invisible, which is one of the reasons why, and Sarah and Julianne are behind a project called We Make NI, which is the pluralist voice that we want to have. So what has happened over the last 10 years politically is the usual sham fights and culture wars and all of that at the expense of challenging poverty and the issues that Julianne mentioned. What has happened over the last 10 or 20 years now has been the growth of a socially liberal community. What has happened is that people who walked away from the politics of yesteryear, and I, and I think and I think what's important is 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 that what I would like to see is is that Northern Ireland becomes the first society ever which heals its ethnic 
identity problems. Mm -hmm. That's and when you say about being pro-union, pro-union also includes people who are not unionists. Yes, of course. It includes people who understand the benefits. So I don't like getting into this, but it happens. You know, middle-class couple living in South Belfast, two wages, probably have a house, uh, own their own home in the Republic, under the age of 40, 12% of people own their own homes. The, 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 the things that you and I would agree on now would be the vicious nature of neoliberalism in the South. Mm -hmm. Now, I think if you're asking about where politics go, if you want the United Ireland, can you please tell us what it is? Or can you tell us, is it we're going to join in the South? Or is it you're going to build something completely different? And then we can have a look at it and say, maybe that's something. Can, can, I, can I just um, interject very briefly there, Professor Pete? For me, it would be building something completely different. It would be starting at, at scratch. It would be having input from everyone in this group and people like you and everybody, regardless of you know their vision about the union it would be this is for me why the nature of these conversations must take place but the problem that we have or i have is that we're not politically elected and and we can't change but now i know we can change because we vote for these people but yeah so as much as you hear different voices from the community we're from we hear different voices from yours so yeah we hear people 50 plus one if i hear one more time that you'll be able to march in an Orange Lodge or Cluey Highland dancing in the New Ireland. Uh, I've never done either. Uh, my kilt, I don't have a kilt. Oh, yeah. and, 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 you know, it's, it's, it's about why these conversations are important now. Yeah. It's hopefully people hear things which actually are really a reflection of the diversity of the community we come from. Because I know about the diversity of the community you come from. But I hear, I already hear people permitting that there's a diversity within the pro-union community, and and, it, and it's worse for we're boot burners and banjo players, yeah. and and that's really if you want to have a conversation, and we'll take part in that conversation. Yeah. But you know, not having a conversation, you tell us that we're wrong. Yeah. Or not telling us a conversation over something that we are. Yeah. I, I think that's critically important. Pete, we'll come back to you in a wee minute. I just want to get in our um, last guest today, Reverend David Latimer. David, again, it's very difficult for me to frame questions for anybody in this group, but maybe particularly you. But I'm going to give it a wee go anyway. And again, feel free to go where you want with this. What do we as citizens living here in Northern Ireland, and you know, you have got um, a congregation in Donegal, so in, in all parts of Ireland, but uh, what do we need to do as citizens uh, in regards, you know, how, how, how can we be better versions of ourselves? How can we, what do we need to do to reach out to each other more, I suppose? Yeah, well, I, I think um, the big deficit, as I see it, is that having lived 100 years, uh, today being the, 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 the birthday, if you like, of this sweet place we call Northern Ireland, or others called the Six Counties, uh, both the same place but um you know we we have specialized living along parallel lines and we have our segregated schools we have uh, our separate housing estates great efforts are being made to bring our young people together through shared education uh, and then they go home and and uh, they're 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 living in 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 their isolated communities so we we need to find ways to get to know each other and and maybe we think we need to we need to have new ways to do that, uh, and and 
one of the big barriers to, 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 to progress for my community is this loud chorus that has increased in its intensity since with Brexit. And it's as if the, 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 the only thing in the world that's important is creating a new Ireland, a united Ireland. And frankly, that, that, that puts the fear of God into those of us who are unionists, whether we're Catholic or Protestant, because not all Catholics are nationalists. Yeah. And we have to accept that. But, um, you know, they, they, we, as, as, a, as a Protestant, as a unionist, I've lived all my life with the, 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 the harassment, if you like, that comes and, and that creates fear and, and, and it, makes us, it can make us feel volatile. And then we all have memories. I was reading recently of, of, of a man who grew up post-partition right down in the south of this island. Uh, and he says, uh, I wouldn't say in my own life I suffered from discrimination, but I suffered from not really belonging, feeling a bit of an outsider. Now, for the first 50 years, my neighbours, who, who maybe go to different schools and, uh, uh, and go to different churches and play different uh, sports games, they felt this place was ice cold for them. That was wrong. So within my community, gosh, we're going to have to put the record straight and, and reach out to persuade those that uh, are wanting to take us in a different direction that first we must stop. Put the handbrake on. Uh, somebody has said it seems to be an ironic habit of man that when he loses his way, he doubles his speed. We're going far too fast. Let's slow down. Let's stop. And let's take as long as it needs to get to know each other and to try and work out what do we need to live better together. And, and you know, I think if we do that, if we do that, uh, we 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 we'll maybe discover that the future is 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 it 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 may not be a united Ireland. It may not be. Uh, with the United Kingdom, but it has to be something that we all identify with and support and pledge to work. Thank you so much for that, Reverend David. Um, folks, you will all see a countdown clock on the top of your screen saying two minutes, 47 seconds left. Um, I was very conscious just of, um, you know, there's a few people I know have um, interviews to do here. So listen, I'm just going to throw it open. Um, you can keep an eye on the countdown clock yourselves. Anybody want to come in? And I suppose the, the point of this conversation is why should the union work? So on that basis, anybody? It's, it's, it's not necessarily why would the union work. It's why would the Good Friday Agreement work? Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think the, the Good Friday Agreement was the most important moment yeah. since partition uh, in, in terms of what it framed and what it, you know... Well, there's something else we all have in common, Peter. Yeah, it's it's the well. There's many reasons you would vote for the Good Friday Agreement. One is party of esteem and mutual respect, and, and I would like to think that party of esteem and mutual respect is not something that belongs to any identity. Mm -hmm. Party of esteem and mutual respect is the code by which we all wish to operate our lives. So it's 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 the unfortunate thing that that you know we think of this as in identity terms, but we should think about it as. Uh, building a new society. 20 seconds, eight, 20 Come seconds, on, just... Julian. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I agree. The last thing I want to say is just that I think the question should be how could the union work for us? If we were able to sit down and have an honest to goodness conversation about those structures that we can utilise to change and better 
this place that we call home. Okay. Ian Artisan, you've got uh, 20 seconds. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, the thing that baffles me, frankly, about the um, Think 32 fundamentalists, as I would characterize them, is the, the fierce urgency of now that seems to infect this um, push for uh, unification is totally counterproductive. If you want to have uh, a, a United Ireland fix Northern Ireland and make it work first, and you'll have a much better chance by doing that than you will do by pushing people over the line and alienating them and trying to get something to happen now which doesn't need to happen. We need to fix Northern Ireland first. Guys, I'm really sorry about this, but as I say, time was against this. But please, can I ask you all a favour? Will you all come back on in a couple of months' time? We'll have a more detailed chat. Absolutely. Thank you very much, folks. Well, folks, I hope you all enjoyed listening to today's podcast. It was on reasons why the union uh, should be maintained. And again, we'll be interested to hear all your feedback and comments. Uh, Tune in soon for another episode in the Shared Ireland Podcast. Take care. Bye-bye.